Welcome, 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 everybody, everywhere, anybody who's tuning in tonight. Welcome to the pilot episode of The Double Tech, featuring your hosts, myself, Ethan Reisiga, and the Trent Bally. Trent, how we doing over there, big fella? You know, everyone always overuses the cliche, never better. I legitimately have been never better. The Detroit Lions won a playoff game last weekend. I'm on cloud nine. Uh, not to brag, but I'm living in Florida. Everyone else is dealing with the cold front. It's still a cool 75 degrees here in Florida. I'm I'm doing pretty good, E. I'm doing At, pretty good. Not only are you living in Florida, you are living in Tampa Bay, which has large implications for this weekend as Tampa Bay is playing the Detroit Lions. Care to speak on that? How's the fan base down there? Are they like, are they riling up or, or like, what's the deal? Because you've said in the past, that they're out on uh, what's his name, Lovey Smith? Who Todd is it? Bowles. Todd oh, Bowles. So, so listen. So here's the thing. I'm glad you teed me up for this, E, because here's the deal. The people down here, I won't let them forget. So just to give some quick context, the Lions beat the Buccaneers back in week five of this yeah. season. Didn't we like sm we smoked them? Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the the final score was only twenty to six, but it was one of those deals where you know the final score wasn't indicative of how the game went. Right. So. I ain't letting these people forget that. I'm also not letting them forget that, you know, five weeks ago, they wanted Todd Bowles fired. They wanted Baker Mayfield cut, all this other stuff. Now they want a playoff game against the Eagles, who pretty much limped into the playoffs. And now everyone's just, you know, on their high horse, fire the cannons and Baker's our guy. <laughs> and, bro, I'm like, come on. It's Detroit versus you're coming to Detroit after they won their first ever playoff game. Everyone saw the social media videos of Ford Field. It's a zoo. So, oh, Ethan, man. long story short, I ain't worried. I ain't yeah, worried. It's been a fun week because I walk out wearing all this Detroit stuff, and I get, you know, in weeks past, it's, oh, go Lions. I'm happy for you guys. And this week, they're like, I hope your Sunday sucks. And I'm like, dude, likewise. That, but that's awesome, though. You know, like, there's no better feeling than, like, having your team win. And then, like, knowingly, like, you get to wear the memorabilia. Like, I – I've been like telling people this, like I've been telling my girlfriend this, like my teams should have never been allowed to win. Like the Michigan Wolverines <laughs> win, win in the whole thing. The Lions win in their first playoff game. I am the most obnoxious winner. I think I know when it comes to that sports stuff. Cause like now that I'm a winner, like we've dealt with years of the Lions losing, but now right. I can like wear something and be like, Oh, you know, the story of the story. Cause I got, I got some Dolphins fans. I got some Raiders fans in my class. Um, I'm talking about, you know what, the story of the matter is that one team has a game this weekend and the other team does not. So let's right. just leave it at that. You know what I'm saying? But um, we can get more into that as we go. Right. People, thank you for listening. We're going to talk really quick about what this show is, what it's intended to be. Um, me and Trent here, we were we like came together and the first thing we wanted to do is we wanted to do a fantasy football podcast. We started, that's our roots. We started doing that with our boys, and it just was like a friendly thing that we did with both of us and like our friends as well. From that, it kind of branched out into more of a broader sports talk where we felt like we could do something in, in sports media. So we decided to create this podcast and structure it a little bit better than we did our fantasy football. And we're going to carry some of that same stuff over from that podcast to this podcast. But basically... We're two guys who work, love sports, and love to talk about sports. Trent, do you have anything to add to that description? No, you pretty much said it best. You know, I, I get a creative outlet a lot already 
with my job and whatnot, but I think you are built for this, Ethan. And, you know, as a teacher, you're a very good speaker. And like you said, if nothing else, we're both just diehard sports fans, no matter what the case is. So this is just a fun way to kind of get it out there. And if people enjoy it, they enjoy it. And if we suck, feel free to tell us we suck. You know, we'll, we're, we're pretty receptive. We're, yeah. we're, we're for the people. We you can know? take constructive criticism. <laughs> and but and anyways. it's actually funny that you mentioned me being a teacher because I actually, you know, shameless plug. I, t- I told my students I was going to do a sports podcast. And it's funny because you would not believe I'm a middle school teacher. For those of you listening out there, middle school math. They love to tell me that I yap too much. They tell me I yap all the time. So I talk a lot. And as soon as I was like, guys, like, you know, I'm doing this sports podcast. They're like, you gotta, you gotta send me the link. You gotta like post it in the Google classroom. And I'm like, oh, but I thought y'all didn't want to hear me talk anymore. (laughs) So like, so now what do you want to hear me talk Do you? Don't want to, it's, you know, it's whatever. So now obviously we're keeping this uh, PG, not here to talk about things that aren't great for, you know, young ears to listen to. We're going to try and keep this as clean as possible. We're here for sports and other takes as well. But without further ado, without further ado, Trent, let's get right into the weekly headlines here. And, you know, what better time of year is it to talk about the NFL playoffs? Starting with, if I'm requested by one of my students, they wanted us to start with the Chiefs and the Bills game. Let's do it. That's the I, I believe that's the last game of the weekend. That'll be the grand finale. I think it's uh Right, that's Sunday night. That's a Sunday night game, right? We got, I believe so. We got Pat I, Mahomes playing his first ever road game in the playoffs. Yes, that's correct. Super Bowls don't count. It is the first ever playoff game on the road for Patrick Mahomes. Unbelievable stat right there. And what better way to do it, E, than to go to Buffalo and play the team that has kind of been your little brother, for lack of a better term, over the last three, four years? You think of some of the greatest playoff games of this decade have been between the Chiefs and the Bills. So sparks are going to fly here. Uh, What do you see between Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen? Can the Bills finally get over the hump? I'll tell you what I see. I see see two cold weather teams in the cold weather, but this is not the first time that's ever been seen, right? These guys have met, like you said, years on end. It feels like every single playoffs, we end up seeing these guys versing each other. I wrote down a couple notes here. The Chiefs, it is not their year to throw the ball. Pacheco is their best skill player that's not Patrick Mahomes. By far. Okay? By and, far. And, and people might come running and say, what about Travis Kelsey? Not this year. It's not his year. It's not. They need to, if they do not establish the run, they are never going to see anything in the pass. Okay? And it's already difficult for them to find the passing game. But sometimes, and I see this when I watch the Chiefs, they will just abandon the run for no reason. And it's like Pacheco's just sitting here. He literally puts his head down and acts like a freaking cat truck bulldozing through whatever he can you can put in front of him. The Chiefs need to establish the run. Now, with that being said, I also see on the inverse side, Buffalo's got to protect the ball. Josh Allen finished second in the league in interceptions. That's his that this is his game. He, he's coming off this postseason win last week against the Steelers. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. He played fantastic. But now is a different game. He's got the Chiefs. He's going to have to play better. Okay? He's going to have to play better. No turnovers. But, Trent, if, if we're calling a pick a pick here, 
I think Buffalo is going to get it done this year. Ooh. I think, think Buffalo is going to get it done. Okay, they're currently a minus minus three right now. Yeah. Um, and I I'm taking it. I'm I'm going to take Buffalo to win that game. What about you? Here's the difficult thing. You hit on a lot of stuff that I think is very, very key. You talk about the Chiefs offense struggling this year in particular. When you look at the six-year run that Mahomes has kind of had with the Chiefs, this is, you could argue, I think, a, a pretty strong case. This is the weakest team that Mahomes and the Chiefs have had. They're 11-6 and six at this point, or maybe it's whatever. I, I get thrown off by the 17-game schedule, whatever. Yeah. The Chiefs are not world beaters. That's the bottom line. Lost week one. You know, right off the bat, lost on ring night. And ever since then, they kind of been fighting for everyone's respect. And I kind of find myself in a weird position, E, because I've been somewhat of a secondhand Bills fan the last five, six years. I feel sympathy for Buffalo. I love their fans. They've got a lot of fans in Canada that come over to support the Lions every now and then. So I right. many, many a time have I had a beer with a Bills fan and enjoyed that conversation, the back and forth. Bills fans are fantastic. Um, so I want this for them. But again, I think you nailed it. This is Josh Allen's game. And the question is, can Josh Allen play a clean game? And if you're just going to take that on its face as a yes or no question, I think he can. I don't think he will. This is the best Chiefs defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever been paired with. You saw what the Chiefs did last week against the Dolphins, although depleted. It just seems like the Chiefs might be using that as a springboard, and this is all the motivation that a great like Patrick Mahomes might need. I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm rooting like heck for the Bills. I'll tell you that right now. Wow. So I'm rooting for the Bills, man. I hope they can get it done because this is their Darth Vader at the end of the hallway. It's Pat Mahomes with the red lightsaber, and he's ready to cut everybody down. Yeah. And, you know, until I have a reason to bet against Patrick Mahomes, I'm not going to. Last thing, Ethan, we have a good friend named Gavin who's a Colts fan, so he'll appreciate this analogy. This feels a little bit like in the early 2000s, mid-2000s, when it was Peyton Manning and the Colts trying to get over the hump of the Tom Brady Patriots who had yeah. already won a few Super Bowls. They couldn't do it. And I think finally in 2006 might have been their third meeting in the playoffs, whatever, they finally got over that hump and Peyton Manning got to a Super Bowl. So, I think this could be that year for Josh Allen and the Bills, but it definitely feels like if they can't get over this Chiefs hump this year, they might never do it. And and that's kind of what I was going to close on too. If if they don't get it done this year, I just I can't see them putting together like a better roster to to get past this hump. Like it's I think this is the year that the Bills need to do it, and if they can't, then I just like you said, I don't know when it's going to happen. Cuz here's the other thing is this is the wide receiver issue is a problem for the Chiefs, right? I mean, but they're, they're kind of dealing with it this year. They got Rasheed Rice coming into his own. They're trying to do the most with MVS and whoever else they got. It's kind of by committee. They're going to address that problem this offseason. So it kind of sucks for the Raiders fans, the Chargers fans, the Broncos fans in that division who their team wasn't able to put together a really solid year because this was the year to get the Chiefs. Because I think they're going to go into this offseason. They're going to retool. They're going to be right back on top oh, next year. Yeah. So, Buffalo, this is your moment. Do not miss your chance to blow. Let's go. There you go. You got you got Ethan with the Bills. You got Trent with the Chiefs. But we can agree this is going to be a close game. We can agree. I hope, so. I hope so. For the sake of the football fan out there, I hope it's a shootout. All right. Beautiful. So, let's go now in sequential order, starting with the first game, Houston Texans and Baltimore Ravens. Trent, you can drive on this one first. Really tough to pick here because the Texans, rookie quarterback, 
but I couldn't tell last week because he absolutely lit up the Browns, who I was told, Ethan, I was told the Browns were the best defense in the league with Miles Garrett as, you know, the wrecker that he is on that side of the ball. So very impressive what C.J. Stroud and company, D'Amico Ryans and company have done over there. He might win coach of the year, D'Amico Ryans. Um, so you tip your cap there. But I got to go with Lamar. I got to go with Lamar and the Ravens. It just feels like this is the Ravens moment. And I know the last time the Ravens were the one seed, they really underperformed. They got beat by Derrick Henry and the Titans in their first game of the playoffs. That was the last time Lamar won MVP. He might win it again this year. So there's some scary parallels if you're a Baltimore fan. But this is a different team. This is the best defense Lamar's had with them, the best supporting cast. I'll still take John Harbaugh every day against any coach. I don't care how good of a year D'Amico Ryans has had. Give me the Ravens, but I'll tell you what, they do have some demons to exercise to prove it. Yeah, and kind of going on your harp here, I think people love to talk about, you know, like they're peaking at the right time or like, you know, it's like with the Philadelphia Eagles, they peaked way too early kind of thing. They started the season 10 and 1, fizzled out. With the Baltimore Ravens, when they like, let's just go back to when they whooped up on our Detroit Lions. Like you could have made an argument like, oh, you know, they're just peaking right now. They went on, and then the la- like, what was it? Four of the last, or two of the last four weeks of the season, they smoked teams. They smoked like contender, contender teams. They, they smoked the been, Niners. They smoked the Dolphins. Yeah, beating both teams by like 30, 25 to thirty points, and like that was the end of the season. So they have consistently been on this peak. They have, in my opinion, the best defense in all of the playoffs. One of the best offenses in all the playoffs. I think, like you said, this is their moment. If listen, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a call here. If CJ Stroud wins this game, this is a legacy game. This is a legacy game for CJ Stroud. If he wins this and he, you know, goes on to have a successful career, everyone's gonna look back at the divisional round versus the Baltimore Ravens and say, This is when we knew. So I think there is a lot of pressure on C.J. Stroud. I'm a big C.J. Stroud guy. Um, but I think Baltimore gets it done at the end of the day. I mean, they're, they're a powerhouse right now against a young core. The Texans got a super bright future. Let that not be unsaid. But Baltimore Ravens should get it done at home in a cold game here. Real quick before we move on to the next one. I want to draw a parallel across sports to what you just said about a legacy game. Although he is a rookie and he's young, you know what I mean? Because we've seen that all throughout sports, all the greats. I'm going to I'm going to call out the two greatest basketball players of all time. LeBron James when he dropped 27 straight against the Pistons when he was only like 24 years old or something like that and everyone's like, "Holy, like this guy, this is he's got next, right?" And he didn't win it that year. He actually didn't win a championship for another 4 years or so. But that was the moment where you were like, Wow. I mean, those Pistons had won a championship. They had been to the conference finals year after year, and LeBron goes in there and plays well, beats them, takes them out. And if C.J. Stroud's able to do something like that, that'd be incredible. Michael Jordan dropped 63 in a loss in the playoffs to Larry Bird and the Celtics. And Larry Bird, after the game, said something to the tune of, that's Jesus and sneakers over there. And that's (laughs) when we knew that Michael Jordan was going to be one of the greatest we've ever seen. And even if you want to just stick with football, Patrick Mahomes, his first full year starting, hosts the the, uh, New England Patriots. Tom Brady takes them to overtime. And if they don't lose that coin flip, remember, this is the old overtime race. If they don't lose that coin toss, 
Patrick Mahomes is probably going to the Super Bowl in his first year as a starter. So you're exactly right, E. This is a chance. It's all in front of him. He's got nothing to lose. The Texans are heavy underdogs for a reason. But if C.J. Stroud's able to ball out, this is that legacy moment, even as a rookie. It's all on the table. Even as a rookie. Um, so, yeah, a lot, definitely a game that's going to have some fireworks. A lot of things to look at in that game. That game is going to be followed by a night game that I also think is going to be very interesting to watch. The Green Bay Packers are traveling to the San Francisco 49ers Stadium, and they are going to be playing the night game, two historical franchises. And, uh, yeah, this one I think is going to be a lot of scoring, a lot of touchdowns. Jordan Love coming off of an absolute monster game against the Dallas Cowboys, one that nobody thought the Packers were going to win, except maybe Packers fans who made the claim that, you know, the Packers are undefeated in AT&T Stadium in the past, you know, however many years, whatever you want to say. Um, I, I I work with a Cowboys fan, a diehard Cowboys fan. Like his classroom is filled with Cowboys stuff. And it was just funny having that conversation like the Monday we came back because I'm happy. Lions won. And, he, and I'm like, oh, dude, but like you're Dallas Cowboys. And he's like, yeah, I'm depressed. Um, but <laughs> it's it's funny because I brought up that stat and I was like, well, dude, like you had to, you know, smell some or feel some blood in the water there. Like the Packers are undefeated in AT&T in the past. So and so, and he's like, well, it shouldn't matter. Like the Cowboys didn't lose like at home, right? Like the entirety right. of the year. So you can kind of throw that stat out the window. I think the, I think the Cowboys were out coached and I think it is a travesty that Mike McCarthy is back in the head coaching seat. Don't even get me started on that. That's I, I don't get it. Um, I'll stick to the game here. The 49ers are going to whoop the Packers, in my opinion. I think the 49ers are going to get the job done. I can see this going past 10, maybe past 14. 49ers are going to show up to play. Trent, do you do you feel like do you feel like the Packers are going to show up to play and contend, or do you feel like this is going to be a runaway game with for the with the 49ers? So before I say what I'm about to say, I want to disclose this. I'm rooting for the Packers as a Lions fan. Because if the Packers win and the Lions win, that means the Lions will host the the NFC Championship game in Ford Field. And I'll be there. If we get to that point, I'll be there. Now listen, the Packers already did the Lions a favor. The reason the Lions have a home playoff game this weekend in the divisional round is because the Packers beat the Cowboys and took them out. Otherwise, the Lions would be going to Dallas. So the Packers have already done the Lions a favor. They could do them another favor by beating the 49ers here. And I wanted to lay that groundwork first before I say this because I completely agree with you, Ethan. I think the 49ers are going to blow the doors off the Packers. This is a completely unbiased take. The the, the 49ers, I got to give good credit to my uh, my buddy – Ryan Collins, who I do the Motown rundown with, he thinks the 49ers have just been waiting for the playoffs. It's kind of simple. Sounds cocky, but that's a franchise and a team and a coach and a staff and a roster that has earned the right to be able to sort of wait in the wings, just kind of get your seating, get your feet beneath you. And then when the playoffs come, man, you pull out all the stops and you go for the throat. And they haven't been this healthy in a very long time. You knock on wood, you never want to see anyone get hurt, but Christian McCaffrey's healthy. Ayuk is healthy. Debo's healthy. The whole O-line is healthy. Brock Purdy's healthy. They've got everybody. They've just been waiting for this moment. Now, the Packers' best chance to win is to just get after Purdy, expose him. It's a lot easier said than done. He gets the ball out quick. He's got a lot of weapons to work with. So I do like the 49ers. One quick thing I'll throw at you. 
Jordan Love has been playing out of his mind. Absolutely. Um, but if you really look at the numbers, he does not play very well against the zone defense. The 49ers run a lot of zone. And mm. by the way, the 49ers, you want to talk about a coaching staff that has a coordinator hired every other year as a head coach. I mean, they, there ain't a, there ain't any idiots over there in that franchise and that in that facility. So I'll take the 49ers in a route, but in a very backwards way, Ethan, I'm rooting for the Packers. Yeah. Um, just, like, just like we're rooting for the bills, but we're going to take the chiefs, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so I want to ask you something, Trent, what do you think about like the old wives tale? If you want to call it that, where it's like these teams that have the week break and they show up unprepared the first week they get to come back. Like they're almost like out of the rhythm coming back. And then like, they slow down. Do you think that's the case for these 49ers and Ravens? Or do you think it's foot on the gas pedal? Well, in sports, we see it all the time, right? It's the rust versus rest, rust versus rest. That's what I meant to say. Like, do, do you want the time off? Could you argue that playing a weak playoff team is better than a bye because you get the springboard, that sort of thing? I don't, I don't worry about the 49ers as much as the Ravens, if that is the case, Ethan, because I think the Ravens, they have the history of collapsing as the one seed with the bye, with Lamar coming off the unanimous MVP, first ever in the NFL. Yeah, they got routed by the Titans. The Titans ran all over them. And I know that was a long time ago. That was pre-pandemic, actually, when mm -hmm. that happened. So it's been a minute. But I'm just saying, if that is going to be the case, I'm more worried about the Ravens than the Niners. But, again, you got to play the games for a reason. And there is something to be said for, again, in the 49ers situation, a quarterback like Jordan Love coming in there with, you know, he's he's playing on fire. He's playing with a lot of confidence. And Brock Purdy's had two weeks off at this point. So something to watch for sure. Do you think there's any truth to that? I, I do. And I am a big, and you know this from our fantasy football um, podcast, but I am a big scheduling guy. I, I always look at the schedule. I look at, you know, like who's playing who, like what do, what do they have to look forward to? Because I remember when I played my career in basketball, like, this it's scheduling is important. You know, if you're looking at the uh, the team you're about to play and they're coming off like a back-to-back -back road trip, they're not going to be 100%. So when I'm looking at like Green Bay traveling to San Francisco, I'm looking at a Green Bay team that is absolutely on the world's largest high right now after yeah. bringing it to Green Bay. And I'm looking at a San Francisco team who got embarrassed by the Ravens. And Brock, like, that wasn't too long ago. Okay, I know we're talking about short-term memory. That wasn't too long ago. And right. Brock Purdy just crumbling. So, you know, now that the stage is just – because remember, during that game, the state we, we were calling it like a Super Bowl. We were like, this is the future Super Bowl matchup. The stakes were high, and Brock Purdy did not show up. Now, no, that, it is, now that it is the actual playoffs, is he going to handle the same amount of pressure? I don't know. That that's if the 49ers lose, it is going to be on Brock Purdy. That's what I'll call it. Interesting dichotomy you bring up there, too, because you got Brock Purdy, who's Mr. Relevant. I know everyone's heard it a million times. And at this point, he's earned the right for us not to bring it up, but we still do. And then you got Jordan Love, who was a first round pick who waited for three years behind one of the greatest of all time and Aaron Rodgers. And it looks like he's ready to take off. So very interesting you bring that up, Ethan, because if the pressure is going to get to somebody, it might be Brock Purdy. And the last thing I'll say on this matchup before we get to the game that everyone really wants to talk mm. about, the 49ers historically own the Green Bay Packers. So I don't know if history is going to repeat itself here, but, I mean, you think about the Rodgers years, the Favre years, the 49ers have put a – I don't want to say a whooping because there's been some good games, but 
the 49ers, they should feel totally comfortable with the Packers rolling into town. Again, you and I both see a molly whopping happening. We're just simply bringing to light the potential that this could be a game. And, oh, and yeah. you know what? As football fans, we probably hope it's a game. <laughs> um, didn't okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur coach together somewhere? They did in Atlanta when they went to the Super Bowl with Matt Ryan and his MVP year. I think Shanahan was the OC and LaFleur was on the staff. He might have been the quarterback's coach or something. So moral of the story is this this could be a total coaching battle, hundred percent. It's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be a chess match out there. Um, without further ado, let's get into the matchup that we care the most about. Can't say the same for all of our potential listeners, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are heading north for the week, and they will be in Detroit at Ford Field. And this is Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon game. Trent, give us a look inside of that stadium. Give us a look inside of the key points to this game. What can we expect? What can we look forward to? And what can we worry about? So, look, as someone who was there at Ford Field a week ago, um, the place was full an hour before kickoff even happened. It was just unbelievable. Oh, now, a lot, of that had to do with, a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was probably negative 10 degrees outside and everyone wanted to get inside. But doors opened three hours before kickoff, and an hour before kick, it was packed. They had uh, Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers come out and do a drum oh, solo wow. to get everyone pumped up. They had wow. light up bracelets for everyone that flashed blue and white and gray and black, whatever. And those were all in sync around the stadium. So the atmosphere was up. The energy was up. They played a little promo video with Eminem, Cinderella Man underneath the, the highlights of the season. And it was just, <laughs> you couldn't have written it better for the Lions pregame. And uh, I expect much more of the same on Sunday. So Baker Mayfield has already acknowledged that it's going to be the loudest environment. Baker played for the Rams last year, if you remember. So he said, you know, he reached out to some of his ex-Rams teammates. They said, yeah, that was the most ridiculous, loud environment we've ever played in. I expect it to be the same on Sunday. I think the Lions will take it to him for that reason. We can get more into the X's and O's, but I like the Lions to cover. The line opened at four, and it has now moved up to six and a half in just a few days. So I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. I'll break down some of the more X's and O's in a minute here, E, but what are your thoughts on Baker Mayfield and the Bucks coming into Detroit? I'll say this, man. I, so Trent, I love the Lions. Okay. I, I, I really want the Lions to cover six and a half. Do I think they will? I'm not sold on it. Maybe this is just because we have been raised as people that are used to losing. Maybe it's because we know not to get our hopes too high. This has obviously proved to be a different year. But if I am a Buccaneers fan, there is nothing else I want in the league besides a Baker Mayfield that's fired up after a playoff win. This guy, when he is like playing this game, when he is playing football and he is winning and he is scoring and he is doing what he's doing, he is cocky, he's prideful, but he's confident. And I, that's exactly the attitude I think the Buccaneers are going to bring, their entire offense. I think he's going to bring a sense of confidence. And I think the Buccaneers have a good offense, man. Rashad White is an animal of a running back. And they got a, a first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver, Mike Evans. 
Chris Godwin, Cade Otten's been playing his balls off, man. And, and I just think they've got potential. I'm worried about this Lions defense, man. If I'm being completely honest, like, I think this is going to be more of a, if, if I'm talking about the Buccaneers offense versus the Lions defense, this is going to be more of a Baker Mayfield off game. than I think it will be like a Lions, like shutting him down. Like I could see missed throws. I could see fumbles. I could see interceptions, but I don't, I don't know if the Lions are going to be overpowering this offense. That's what I'll say. But obviously, I'm taking the Lions. Come on. Give me Lions minus six and a half. Give me the Lions to win for sure. I'm just a little worried about this offense over in Tampa Bay. So a lot of what you mentioned, I agree with. In fact, I agree with everything you said. I mean, the, the Lions defense is shaky, particularly on the back end. Here's the problem. Everyone wants to talk about Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Kate Otten. That's all good and fine because you know what? Those are very, very talented players. Here's the problem. Justin Jefferson went nuclear on the Lions twice this year, and it didn't matter. CeeDee Lamb went nuclear on the Lions this year, and it shouldn't have mattered. Obviously, the Cowboys ended up winning that game. What goes around comes around. Here we are. Uh, There were plenty of players that got theirs against this Lions secondary. It hasn't really bitten them yet, and I'm Mm -hmm. hoping that – They can still bend but don't break the Lions secondary. Bend but don't break. What do we see in that Rams game? The Rams would move the ball. Boom, 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 boom. Puka Nakua had a great stat line, but once it got to the red zone, that defense locked in. And I'm not saying it's a great unit, but there's great players. There's playmakers. Alex Anzalone, Aiden Hutchinson up front. C.J. Gardner-Johnson's back. Brian Branch has burst onto the scene. Cam Sutton, I think, has done more than a respectable job as a – you know, he's kind of been forced into the cornerback one role with some of the injuries the Lions have had to deal with this season. So there are so many ways to attack this. Who's this, the uh, who's the big fella up front, 55, uh, on the line? 54, Ali McNeil? Yes. I He impressed yeah. me last game as well, McNeil. Yep, and, and he is, I saw today, pro football focus. They put out a lot of Fugazi stats and whatever, but they – have him rated as the number one interior defensive lineman left in the playoffs of the eight teams that are left. So take with that what you will, whatever. Aiden Hutchinson, I expect him to get after Baker. And Ethan, the biggest point that you hammered that I completely agree with, with a sledgehammer to the face, is that Baker Mayfield's going to miss some throws. The Lions need to capitalize. Pick one off, make them pay, drive back down, get six. Put their face in the dirt and shove it and twist it down in there a little bit. I'll tell you what, that that crowd sure ain't going to hurt their cause in trying to do that. And the last thing I'll say is this. So, if you know, people always want to talk about what happened during the season because these two teams did play during the season back in week five, as I mentioned earlier. It's tough to draw the parallel because in that game, Jameer Gibbs was not playing for the Lions. He was hurt. David Montgomery got hurt in the second quarter. I think the Lions only rushed for like 60 yards as a team. And Jared Goff threw for like 350. Amon Ra had 12 grabs. So it's kind of a weird game to yeah. compare. Um, I expect the Lions to just be the Lions. Move the ball, methodical, long drives, and they should outlast the Buccaneers. They are the better team. I know the Bucs have some talent. But when all is said and done, again, this is a Buccaneers team that only beat the Carolina Panthers 9 to nothing in week 18 of the NFL season with basically everything on the line for the Bucs. They were still out there playing, and they only scored nine points. So I don't know what to expect, but I expect the Lions to show up. So I'll take the Lions. I think my official score prediction is 35-20. That's what I got. So I, I'll take the Lions 20. to cover. Yeah. 
All right. Another high flying game. I, I, dude, this is going to be such a fun week for football. It is. I love the NFL playoffs, man. And uh, before we wrap up the NFL talk here, I went ahead and, you know, a math teacher, I'm a big analytics guy, I'm a big numbers guy. We have mentioned in these past four games, we or these past eight games, right? What are we talking about? Four games, eight teams. In these past four games about quarterbacks and possibly making turnovers, protecting the ball. I wanted to find a stat. And what I found is I searched up, you know, who's who's leading the league in interceptions, you know, simple list. But I didn't want just the interception numbers. I wanted the interceptions per pass attempts numbers. And what I did was I found from least to greatest who is left in the playoffs. So the eight quarterbacks that are left and who has the most or the who has the least amount of pass attempts per yeah. interception working up. So Trent, I want I want you to get can we guess? Do you want to try yeah. and guess these? I'm, okay, so so at number one, who throws the most uh, interceptions or no? What am I trying to say, Trent? Who, who has, has the, the best interception rate? Like who throws the least amount of interceptions per pass is thrown? Yes. Who throws the least? Who throws the least pass attempts before okay. they throw an interception? I saw that. some sick stat about Jordan Love. I'm going to say Jordan. I think he's only thrown like one in the last. He's like thrown one in his last. What is it Jordan Love or no? It is not Jordan Love. Is it? Is it Goff? It is not Goff. And I'm going to give you two guesses and then I'm going to tell you. The quarterback with the best interception to pass attempt ratio is CJ Stroud. Wow. Every every 99.8 pass attempts, he makes one interception. That's insane. As the a next as a rookie and the next in line, you know, keep in mind he did he miss a game or two. Who was a it? game or two is a game or two. Um, I'm just talking about CJ Stroud, but moving on to the next. Oh, yeah, he missed a one couple. one interception per 65.29 passes. Do you have a guess? Mm. And it's none, it's still none of the guys you just said. Brock Purdy. Lamar Jackson. MVP Lamar. So one interception every 65.29. Now we go to 56.6 pass attempts. So the more often these quarterbacks are now throwing interceptions. Baker Mayfield, the third best interception to interception to pass attempt ratio. Every 56.6 pass attempts, one interception. Then we got Jordan Love at 52.64. Then Jared Goff. One interception every 50.4 pass attempts. Now, so this is when Goff things... Right, Goff's right in the middle of the pack there. I will say this, though. Go look at, if, if whoever's inclined who's listening, go look at Jordan Love's interception numbers because I think he threw a ton in the beginning of the season. He hasn't thrown very many at all yeah. in the last, like, couple months. Yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. And then we got rounding out the worst interception to pass attempt ratio Patrick Mahomes, every 42.6 passes. So that's averaging an interception a game about. Brock Purdy, 40.36 pass attempts. And then Josh Allen, number one, yeah. every 32 pass attempts, yeah. one interception. Well, Josh which, Allen, go, go ahead. Sorry. 
which I'm just saying, that's something that we got to look at because, you know, you could always look at just the interception like number and you're like, oh, well, this guy threw the most interceptions. But you ha- also have to look at how many times was he throwing the rock? So that's why I weighed this out is like, let's just like find the average every so-and-so pass attempts, how many interceptions he throwing. So well, but w- what's your piece on it, though? Well, I appreciate you for breaking that all down. I I got to admit, I'm shocked by some of it. Something I'm not shocked by at all in the slightest is that Josh Allen is lowest on that list because I'll tell you right now. Again, I love the Bills. That's like my AFC team. I love the Bills. Josh Allen is like the Russell Westbrook of the NFL. Like he's out of control. If he's yeah. on, he is as scary as you've ever seen. If he is, if he's got the yips, that's how you lose at home to the Jets. Or I think that was on the road. But anyways, they lost to the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. And that's how you fumble four times in a game or some of the crazy things Josh Allen's done. If he puts that cape on, I'll tell you, there's you're hard pressed to find anyone better, but he also he sees ghosts every now and then. And Mahomes, I think that's more just a product of you know what he's working with this year. Again, I don't expect that to be the case next year. It's kind of a unique year for Mahomes, and that just again applies more pressure on the Bills. Look at Mahomes' stats this year. This is the year to get them. If you can't get them this year, when are you gonna? Exactly. Exactly. So that's our last piece on the NFL. Um our next little piece here, we're going to move a little quicker, but we're going to mention some NBA. The NBA season is also going on. So we're going to talk about one team that we feel like is overachieving each. So a team that is doing a lot better than they actually are. And Trent, if you don't mind, I want to kind of leave this off. Go for it. I think it's fairly obvious who really has no place being where they're at. The Minnesota Timberwolves <laughs> are the definition <laughs> of a first round exit. <laughs> I am not sold on these guys getting anything done by the time the playoff comes. We have seen time and time again, this team choke. Okay. They're a total regular season team. If, if they are this year, you know, they're usually like an eight seed or a playing team. They've been so for the past five, 10 years. I am not a believer in the twin towers theory here. Me I'm not a believer. I'm not a believer in two bigs. I think Anthony Edwards is a future star. I think he already is a star. He's earned his flowers. Um, Give him what he's given. But that's my overachieving team. I don't know if you were kind of on the same wavelength or if you got somebody else. I want to at least out our thumb. I mean, if you're like us and you're in your mid-20s, you've been watching the NBA all your life, to see the Timberwolves number one in anything at any point in the season is a little alarming. But, hey. I got faith in the Ant-Man. I think he's he's great. I mean, he's he's going to be, like you said, I think he's already like pushing top 10 in the league. So I don't believe in the Twin Towers either. I don't think it's worked since Duncan Robinson. Or not Duncan Robinson. Tim Duncan and David Robinson, the Spurs. Let me make myself perfectly clear on that one. But I don't think it'll ever – we won't ever see anything like that again. But, hey, I'm not going to count out the Ant-Man. I think they could, at best, I'm with you. I don't think they're title contenders, but they could make it to the Western Conference Finals. My answer for this, and I'll make this quick, currently number four in the West, the Los Angeles Clippers. That team, look, it's a little bit of a team. It's it's the classic joke of if 10 years ago you told me all these guys were on the same team together, you'd think, you know, this was the greatest team of all time. It's Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russ, Harden. They got everything going on there. 
and it seems like their chemistry's clicking. And I'm actually genuinely happy to see James Harden and Russ happy on the court again. I'm happy to see Kawhi plan a little bit more than he would with this new NBA rule of you got to play X amount of games to get certain honors. But look, man, at some point, and I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news or the Grinch, someone's getting hurt. The wheels are coming off. They are not worthy of the four seed in the West. And they might, you know, they might be the four, five seed, six seed when the playoffs come. They're getting upset first round. That's my answer. I I don't hate that at all. And this is going to be a theme for me this episode. I'm going to talk about a few more things going going on, but I think you're right. They got all these players on these on this team, but they're just not it's not going to come to fruition like they want it to. Okay? So I am in total agreement there. The Clippers seem to get all these guys that are so past their prime. And and by the way, Ethan, to that point, there's a bunch of guys on there that I would love to see win a championship. I'd love to see Paul George, Russ, Harden win a championship. I mean, obviously Kawhi has his too, but I would love to see those guys. I just, I have no reason to believe that that's going to happen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, pretty straightforward. Um, you got two teams that we believe are just way overachieving for what they actually are. Let's get into two teams that we feel like are underachieving. And Trent, you can start with your underachieving team because mine's going to kind of lead into our next topic here. So why don't you go ahead and start with that? So I think the obvious answer here, if you look, I again, I'm the biggest LeBron fan in the world. The Lakers are, are currently fighting to stay around 500. I still think this is just going to be a classic LeBron team. They're going to make some moves at the deadline, play with the rotation, and then when the playoffs come, no one's going to want to play them, even though they might be the seven or the six. And I do think they're going to, when all is said and done, make a run to the Western Conference Finals. But I'll leave the Lakers alone because they get talked about enough. I'm going to go way off the board here, Ethan. I'm going to go to a team down south in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to go to the Charlotte Hornets, because let me tell you, that's a team that has been in purgatory. And I know I'm a Pistons fan, so I have no reason to speak about purgatory, but the Charlotte Hornets have been spinning their tires for 20 years. I mean, what, what they picked LaMelo ball and it looked like they started to have some promise. Then you get Brandon Miller in the fold, who I think, you know, out of Alabama, who I think is going to be a really, really good player. But they have eight wins. They're they're staring down the barrel of another top three pick in the lottery. And it's just disappointing because at some point you got to put the pieces together. So look, Michael Jordan has sold the team, I think, or he's in the process of selling the team, whatever. He's given up duties. So maybe that's a step in the right direction. But nonetheless, that's a team that I thought could fight for, you know, a 9-10 seed for the play-in. They're not even close. So that's that's my answer to Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, very, very disappointing from season from them so far. Um, I think I took this question a different way. So I'm going to kind of call an audible at the line here and kind of go along with what you're saying. A team that's better than what they think they are or than what like the record shows. And another obvious answer, like like you were saying, I think the Golden State Warriors are Ooh, yeah. a lot better than what their record shows. They're currently sitting at 18 and 22 out of the playoff race, out of the play-in. Um, one of their assistant coaches recently passed away. Rest in peace to him. I forget his name. Um, so they're not playing games here for a little bit. But, man, Steph Curry, I hate to say this, man, but he's past his prime. Okay, but he can still drop 30 whenever he wants to. So let's not let's not go over that. 
But a team that goes out and gets a Chris Paul, a guy that they feel like is going to help move the ball a lot more. They still got Wiggins. They still got Clay Thompson, who's a little bit past. They still got Kavon Looney. I think they got pieces to at least be an eight seed, nine seed. And then kind of what you were saying about the Lakers, I think this is a team that could like low key, like imagine a Timberwolves Warriors first round. Yeah. Give me the Warriors. Like yep. give me, give me a team that's been there before that knows what they're doing. I think they're a team that's going to eventually figure it out and they're going to put the pieces together. Steve Kerr is a fantastic coach. He's done all he needs to do in his, in this, in his uh, career as a coach. But I think the Warriors are very underrated right now if we're just looking at records. Well, if you're judging off championship pedigree, I mean, it goes along the lines of LeBron. No one wants to draw the Lakers in the first round, even if they are a seven or eight seed. No one wants to draw the Warriors, to your point. And you know what? Chalk that up to your little NBA uh, prima, because I'll tell you what, we're coming down. We only got seven football games left until the end of football season, and then it's all hoops, baby. So it's all we're just hoops. getting you ready for that. It's a little tease, a little taste. All right, so that's a, that's probably it for the meat and potatoes. We're going to get into our segment here. This is our signature segment here. We used to do this on the Fantasy Football Podcast. We're bringing it to the Double Tech. Throne Room and Doghouse. These are some honorary picks that me and Trent come up with. For the Throne Room, we both choose somebody or something that is worthy of sitting in the throne. So somebody that's been doing well in sports, in life this week. Um, it should change every week. Maybe we'll keep it the same. Maybe we'll kind of extend off of that. And then we make a doghouse pick. So we give somebody their dog collar, somebody who is in the opposite of a throne room. So they're sleeping with the fishes. They're sleeping out in a doghouse. Somebody who's not been doing well on the other side of things. So this is going to come from either or from both of us. We're both going to make a pick. And then we are going to move on to our next topic here. So, Trent, do you think we should start with the doghouse or the throne room? What do you think? Let's do the throne room. Let's give the credit where credit's due. Start with the throne room. All right. You want to start? I can go for it. Um, I don't want to do this. I don't want to crown these uh, this individual prematurely, but I'm going to give it to Dan Campbell. This uh, He came mm -hmm. in here, changed the culture. Again, I, I talked about the Lions a lot already in this podcast, so I don't want to harp on it too much, but – to do what he's done in the three years to win the playoff game, win the division, and be hosting another playoff game. And if you take care of business Sunday, you're on the verge of doing something really, really great. Um, to do two things or potentially three things that haven't been done in 30 years for any franchise, uh, let alone one that I root for, of course, I'm going to give it to Dan Campbell. That's who my that's who my crown this week is going to. E. Good, yeah, and I completely agree. <laughs> Obviously, we're biased because we're Lions fans, but – what he's done for Detroit, what he's done for the team, uh, can't put words to it. So, and it is a, it is a national story. It's not like words yeah. just you know, blowing yeah. smoke. It's been a national story. It's been talked about, well documented all week. And it's kind of funny because I'm gonna stick along the same trail. I'm staying in football, but I'm gonna give my crown to the Houston Texans team, and specifically D'Amico Ryan's and C.J. Stroud. As we talked about earlier, C.J. Stroud with the best pass attempt to interception ratio out of all of the quarterbacks as a rookie, came in, won the wild card game handily against a strong defense. The, the things that C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans have done, just like Dan Campbell has done for Detroit, they have changed the culture of football in Houston for years to come. This is a team that has one of the brightest futures, I think, out of like any major like major market sports team 
The Houston Texans have a future that is so bright. They got young stars. They they just shown that they can win football games in the playoffs against hard teams. This is a team that is going to do some big things in the years to come. And listen, I got to give a shout out to my boy, CJ Stroud. I am going to be the first guy to rat on any Ohio State quarterback, anybody coming out of Ohio State. But this guy has done nothing but have class, um, respect for any any team he plays. You know, he scores touchdowns. He's not doing anything too crazy. He's not getting his face in the media. And Trent, low-key, I don't know if you saw this. Um, did you see this whole controversy with NBC and, like, the post-game interview? Yes. So for those of you that are listening, uh, CJ Stroud opens up his post-game interview by saying, you know, I just want to give this win to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Super cool thing of him to say. And NBC cut that out of the interview, which is absurd. So makes me have even more respect for CJ Stroud, less respect for NBC. Um, take the take the playoff games off of Peacock. But um, I'm I'm rambling here. Give, I'm giving my crown to Houston Texans and CJ Stroud, D'Amico Ryan's. Hey, your co- yeah, well earned. I just want to say this: those guys this season proved that it doesn't always take three years to rebuild. I mean, how many time? How many coaches are going to get their leash cut shorter because of what D'Amico Ryan's and CJ Stroud just did? You're talking about a team that picked second in the draft, traded up for three to take Will Anderson, of course. So they compounded it, but they went from worst. To first, they won their division, and yeah. that's a division that had Trevor Lawrence and the Jags. The Colts are, you know, a well-coached team. It was no slouch. So, congrats to the Texans. I, I wholeheartedly back your crown there, my brother. Trent, who are you sending to the doghouse this week? Who are you giving a collar to? We go from the crown to the <laughs> collar. And here's the thing. Look, this was an easy pick for me. I hope you don't have the same one, but I I think this is a little outside the box, yet it was screaming my name when we were prepping for this podcast. I'm giving it to Cowboys owner Jared Jones because I'll tell you right now, you alluded to it earlier. The fact that Mike McCarthy is back as head coach is absolutely ridiculous. S a nine, S a 10, S a 11, and so on. You can't win 12 games a year, three years in a row, and flame out. And even I'm not talking lose. I'm talking flame out. Either lose, out. either either crap your pants, or lose to a team that you just flat out shouldn't lose to going away in Jerry World, where you're mm. supposed to be gods. And I'll tell you right now, everyone wants to talk about the Cowboys every year because they're America's team, and I get it, man. They got a huge fan base. They haven't won jack since the 90s, and the reason is right. your owner, Jared Jones, wants his hand up everyone's you-know-what and telling Mike McCarthy and Jason Garrett or whoever it is what to do, who to draft, all this, that, the other, who to play. He loves Dak Prescott. He's got to fall out of love with Dak Prescott if he wants to go anywhere. As long as Jared Jones is running the Cowboys, they ain't going nowhere, and this year was just more proof of that. That's all. Yeah, I'm so out on this team. I'm so out on the Cowboys. And you're right. Until Jerry Jones can figure it out or like stop messing with everybody's chi, he needs to get he needs to kick rocks. So <laughs> the Cowboys are forever cursed because Jerry Jones is is their owner. So I wholeheartedly, again, I agree with that pick. I thought we were gonna have the same collar as well, but this is something we've already mentioned. 
Talk about a team that I'm just so incredibly done with. The Los Angeles Lakers are <laughs> the most overrated team in the NBA right now. I am so sick of seeing this team in the spotlight. I'll give credit where credit's due. Anthony Davis faced a lot of scrutiny this offseason. He's been performing extremely well. He's on my fantasy basketball team. Love the guy. He's doing, he's doing numbers for me. But the what are we doing? What are we doing with the Los Angeles Lakers? They're just not who who we think they are. And Trent, I have such a hot take, and I'm ready to get into my. I didn't oh, want to no. talk to him. I have such a hot take. Can let it fly. Get, let it let's fly. get into our hot takes. Let's do it. People, okay. Everyone hates on the NBA with good reason because the regular season sucks, and I totally see it. Do I think that the beginning of this midseason tournament is going to change it? Sure, maybe a little bit. But let me tell you one of the core reasons why the NBA is the way that it is right now. The NBA lives in an era that was eight years ago where they favor these has-been teams like the Lakers, like Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns, Suns, like – Oh, let's go and let's watch, you know, the Miami Heat, the New York Knicks. They stink. These teams stink. (laughs) If you want to put these teams in primetime television that don't play defense, then keep putting these teams with terrible records, terrible stats. The Lakers are like the second worst three-point shooting team in the whole NBA. The reason why people say the NBA sucks so bad is because when it comes to, like, Who are we showing to the world? Who are we putting on ESPN in the big games? We're putting the Lakers. We're putting the Clippers with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. We're putting, um, you know, the Atlanta Hawks. These teams that just don't play good team basketball instead of the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Look at these teams are killing it this year. They deserve more respect. And until we start putting out a product that people want to watch, the NBA is never going to be respected because we like rest on our laurels of like putting the ball in the hands of these has been guys that I get it. They're Hall of Famers, you know, and like people can say, oh, but you know, like it's not going to sell tickets if we don't show LeBron. I get it. But the Lakers stink. So why do they deserve to be put up there in that echelon of? Teams that deserve a spot on ESPN. Trent, I could go on forever talking about this, but I know that you probably have a hot take too about something. I don't want to take up too much airtime here, but it when basketball is played in its purest form and its most pure art form, it is poetic. And I think basketball gets a bad rap because these guys just don't try. They don't play defense. The offensive totals are as high as we've ever seen them. And it makes me sad. It makes me sad because basketball is such a great sport. But Trent, you can take it from here. I'm done. I'm going to keep going if you let me. But what do you got a hot take to share for us or should we move into our next subject here? I'll give a quick one. And by the way, as a basketball purist, I know I'm not going to disagree with you. You're the basketball purist. I I, I understand where you're going with that one. I, I got you. Um, I'll make this real quick. Eagles should fire Nick Sariani. I don't really think there needs to be a whole lot. Like, come on, come on, man. You fired Doug Peterson after he won a Super Bowl for you, and then you had a somewhat of a down year. 
eh, that ain't good enough. Dude, the team just quit on Nick Sirianni. You got to get rid of Nick Sirianni. That's all I'm saying. Get him out of Philly. The standards should be higher there. You Sirianni or do you <laughs> No, no, especially since you've got Bill Belichick available, Mike Vrabel's available, Pete oh, Carroll's right. available, Jim Harbaugh's available. Go get someone else. Nick Sirianni ain't act. So that's all yeah. I got. He's and they won't. Uh, They'll keep him. I'm just saying that's my hot take. They should get rid of him. Strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. Nick Sirianni, I, I like to call my students this word sometimes. Uh, it's a combination of two words, hooligan and tool. He is a tooligan, <laughs> as I sometimes <laughs> refer to my special students as. He is a tooligan through and through, um, for sure. But we got our hot takes. We're going to move on to our gambling segment. We're going to give a lock, and we're going to start keeping track of these locks. Okay, So we're going to give one pick that we think is just – we're going to put in the lockbox. Hammer this. Like this is we, – we're putting we're, – we're, we're betting with our hearts on this one. We think this is truly going to hit. And then we're going to give you something with good value. Maybe not looking to necessarily be a winner all the time, but just to sprinkle some, some dough on. Um. My lock, Trent, I'll kick us off here. I feel pretty passionate about this Go for it. Go for it. Yep. Bills minus three. Let's go. Bills Bills minus three. This is the year that Buffalo is going to get it done. I wholeheartedly think they're going to win by more than three points. I think they come prepared, and I think at home it's going to be a statement game. Give me the Bills. My lock of the week. Not, Not more to be said on it. What about you? I got the same game, E. And like I said, I I think the Chiefs are going to win this thing, but I think it's going to be a shootout. I'm rooting like hell for the Bills. I think Josh Allen over one and a half passing touchdowns is plus 110. So you can get some decent value on it. It's close to even money, of course. But are you kidding me, Josh Allen? I mean, they get in that red zone. He can't throw a couple slant routes to Dalton Kincaid or, 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 you know, Dawson Knox or Stephon Diggs. Come on. Gabe Davis. I can keep going. Give me Josh Allen over. All he's got to do is throw two touchdown passes. He's going to put that cape on. And whether or not he turns the ball over and plays a clean game is a different discussion. But I'm with you. Let's go. Let's go, Buffalo. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Trent, what about your your snake eyes pick? And we have a pick called the snake eyes where this is some far-fetched a little bit, a little far-fetched bet. Good value. Don't put the house on it. Don't put the mortgage payment on it. But maybe sprinkle a little something on there. Maybe sprinkle some, you know, some nickels and some dimes. But we're gonna throw some good value picks out there for you. Trent, you have one for us. I do. I'll go to that Ravens Texans game, which is the first playoff game we're gonna see this weekend. Lamar Jackson to rush for over a hundred yards is plus five fifty. And again. Full disclosure, in case you didn't hear Ethan, and if people want to take this out of context here, I'm not predicting this to happen. I'm simply saying that's great value for an MVP. I mean, he's going to win MVP. And this Texans defense, you know, a little bit a little bit sketchy. Texans in general a little bit sketchy. They're big dogs for a reason. And, hey, Lamar could run for 115, throw a couple touchdowns. Ravens could win this thing going away. Again, not predicting it. That's pretty damn good value for the MVP to rush for over 100 yards when that's his biggest strength. Mm. I like that. I, I don't. I don't know if Houston's going to come out and like be preparing for the Lamar run. I feel right. like it's in their. I feel like it's in their best interest to defend against that one thing because that's the thing that's you know killed everybody in the past. You know, Lamar can throw the ball. I'm not going to discredit him for that, but I think he's much well more known for his his running ability. So I don't hate that. Sprinkle a little something on that. I'm I'm gonna come back to Ford Field, Trent, and Ooh. I I am gonna 
I'm going to sprinkle a little bit of dough on a massive game from Jared Goff. Let's go. I want to say he's going to hit his over for passing yards parlayed with three-plus passing touchdowns. I think Jared Goff is going to chuck, and I think he's going to come back. I think he's kind of I think he's kind of hit his stride in the playoffs now. I think the Buccaneers are going to be a, a little less of a pass rush than the Rams were, and I can see him throwing a little bit. I think the Buccaneers are kind of like a bend-don't-break defense in the red zone too, and the Lions are a red zone rushing team through and through. So I think Jared Goff is going to be throwing for some TDs here. Give me three-plus passing touchdowns and the over on his yards. Um, not like super crazy odds. It's plus 380, but good odds nonetheless. Um, That's what we got from our gambling corner. And Trent, I am so excited to close this episode up because this is a segment that has been birthed from us. And would you like to share a little bit on it, or do you want me to kind of go oh, in I, on it? Well, I, I came to Ethan with the idea of famous last words, and Ethan took it and spun it into this brilliant segment you're about to hear. So, E, take it away. So, we're going to do a little segment called Reflect and Project. We're going to reflect a little bit, and we're also going to project. Now, it's called Reflect for this reason, and I think we're kind of pandering a little bit to our male sports audience here. Guys, how many times have we done this in our life where we've sat around and we've just named random players, random teams from the past 15, 10, 15, 20 years? That has come to be one of the most – that's just like such a weird thing that guys enjoy doing. I, I've seen it. I've been a part of it. I love doing it. I know my boys love doing it. I know like all my coworkers love doing it. It's just something that men just enjoy to do. So what we're going to do – we're going to make this into a little bit of a segment. I am going to bring up a team from the past 10 to 20 years, maybe a team that hasn't necessarily achieved to the highest degree. So not necessarily a Super Bowl winner, a finals winner, a World Series pennant winner, maybe a team that just made it to the playoffs. Just a random team from that year. And we're going to see how many players Trent can name from that roster. Okay, and we're doing Trent because this guy has a vast knowledge of sports history just from when me talking to him and having conversations with him. So I'm very excited to see how this goes. And we're going to end it with some famous last words from yours truly, Trent Bally. So, Trent, are you ready for Reflect and Project? Let's do it. I'm excited for this. I wanted to I wanted to kind of stay with the season a little bit. I'm going to pick a football team that is playing this weekend. And we're going to go 10 years ago to the fifth seed in the NFC playoff race, losing in the NFC championship, but won the wild card, won the divisional. The 2013-2014 San Francisco 49ers. Oh, boy. They have a total of 10 pro bowlers on this team, five AP all pros, and a litany of dudes that like fit right into this category. So do you want to just start rattling or do you want to go like quarterback, running back, wide receiver, just like see if you can name any? I'll try to go by position. I think that's the best way to attack this. Okay. Give me the quarterback. Let's start at seed one here. The quarterback was the great Colin Kaepernick. 
Colin Kaepernick is correct. Backed up by Colt McCoy. <laughs> Horns up. Hook up. Horns up. Going um, to the running backs. Dude, the only guess I got is Frank Gore. Was he on that team? He was absolutely the running back during that time. Frank okay, Gore, okay. just a legend of an old running back. Backed up by LaMichael Le- Le- James and Kendall Hunter. <laughs> Dude, this is the best thing you've ever come <laughs> up with. This I know. Great. It was fun. Moving okay. on to the wide receivers. A couple of these shocked me a little bit. Can you name any? There's So on this roster page, they have five. I think you sh- you might get two of them. There's one that I know for sure, and it was because it was on this day, I think 10 years ago when this happened, it was Richard Sherman. I'm the best cone on the game, and it's Michael Crabtree. He's one of them. You are um, you are 100% correct. That I, was the NFC Championship game. Michael Crabtree is one of those wide receivers. I got a really outside-the-box one. Was Terrell Owens on that team? Was T.O. on that team? I thought you were going to get it, but he was not. He was not on that roster. Good. Can guess. I guess one more? Can I guess one yes. more? Yes. Anquan Bolden. Anquan Bolden was, in fact, the number two wide receiver. <laughs> okay. Trey, is, Trey is perfect for this freaking game, well, dude. That doesn't, that, that's, that's kind of a half point because I guess T.O. I think T.O. was on one of the – it might not have been that year, but I think he, like – it was in the twilight of his career, remember, when he was like, I can still play. And it's like, no, bro, you can't actually yeah. whatever, go off. Yeah. Anyways, um, keep going. Sorry. So, yeah, the third string wide receiver, I'm not entirely sure who it was. John Baldwin is a name on there. Quentin Patton and Kasim Osgood. So, again, Anquan Bolden and Crabtree were the only two guys that I really knew. What about the tight end, Trent? Can we get the tight end? Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis is correct. Vernon Davis is correct with a second string coming at Garrett Selleck. Don't remember him. Don't remember him. <laughs> I think he's the brother of Eagles tight end legend Brent Selleck, if oh. you were to ask me. Shout out. Um, Trent, this is where I'm going to kind of open the floor. We're obviously not going to yeah. go down and left tackle. Can you name anybody else, offensive or defensive players? I think you should be able to get – Two more names. I'm going to set the bar at two more names. So, Joe Staley was an O-lineman on that team. Correct? Am I right or no? Joe Staley is correct. Left okay. tackle. Um, after that, dude, I'm not going to lie. It gets pretty fuzzy. I got to really think here. Um, I don't think I'm going to get any of the corners. I don't think I'm going to get any. Dang it. I think, I think you should 100% get this last guy. Middle linebacker, his whole career was in San Fran. Hall of Famer. Dude, I I don't think I'm gonna get it. I do we I do we go with the initials? Do we go with the initials? You can give them to me, but that yeah, I, I'm not gonna take credit if I get it. But yeah, go for it. PW. 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 I don't know, bro. Hit me. Patrick Willis. Oh, damn it. Do you remember that guy? Yeah, I do remember. Now that you say it, yes. Who else was on that team? So out of all of their pro bowlers, I'll just list their pro bowlers. Frank Gore, um, Vernon Davis, Joe Staley, all guys that you named. Mike Lupati or Upati was their starting guard. Okay. Starting defensive tackle, Justin Smith. 
Outside linebacker Ahmad Brooks. He was a famous guy. This is another famous. They dude, they had insane linebackers this season. Yeah. Navarro, Navarro Bowman is a big name on that too. And then they're both of their defense was cracked. And then they're starting <laughs> their starting safeties, Dante Whitner and Eric Reed. Okay, so, I remember Eric Reed. I remember Eric Reed. A lot of big names on there. Um, wow. lost in the NFC championship. So that is our reflection. I got to listen. I think we give we give Trent credit on this one. Where he's going to get his flowers for this week. Guy just went through and named like most of the offensive uh, skill players. So I'm going to give you that one. Um, congratulations, Trent. Why don't you carry us into our project or our famous last words here before we round this out? That was fun, by the way. I can't I can't wait to see where that segment goes because Ethan, you're that, that's your brainchild, and it that was that was a lot of fun. Um. I will close everyone out with this. I'll leave you all with this. The lyrics from the great Jay-Z from the album 444 coming out in 2017. He says, Super Bowl goals. My wife in the crib feeding the kids liquid gold. We in a whole different mode. That's all I got. It's Super Bowl (laughs) season. It's playoff season. Go Lions. One pride, all grit. That's all I got. Oh, man. Hey, thank you all for tuning in if you tuned in. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, we should be posting this on Spotify, Apple Music, and hopefully on YouTube as well. We're going to try and get out there, kind of maybe make an Instagram account. We're going to try and release this on as many platforms as we can. But um, thanks for listening, and we will come back next week with some extra content. Folks, this has been the pilot episode of The Double Tech. I am your host, Ethan Reisinger, and he is Trent Bally, and we will see you next time.